Hello friends and welcome to the Shelf Help podcast. I'm Tony, your host today and founder of Shelf Help, the world's first self-help book club and platform. At Shelf Help, we're dedicated to celebrating and inspiring personal development and supporting people at all stages of their life to work on their mental and emotional well-being. I personally am a huge believer that we are what we read. And so when I meet or hear about people living with passion and purpose and doing great things in the world, the first thing I want to know is what is on their bookshelves. In this new podcast series, Books of Their Lives, I'll be inviting a host of personal development authors and experts to share their shelves with us and to discuss the books that have helped shape and define them both personally and professionally. Along the way, as we review their life stories through their book choices, I'm hoping to work out and share how they got so wise and how we can apply some of their most important life lessons to our own healing, happiness and growth. My guest today is Joe Love, mental health advocate, doodler, trainee psychotherapist and now author. Joe's first book, Therapy is Magic, an essential guide to the ups and downs and life-changing experiences of talking therapy, is a handbook on what to expect when you decide to seek out a therapist based on her own 18 years of experience of seeing mental health professionals. It's part memoir, part how-to guide, filled with advice from Joe and various experts, including her own therapist. I feel that therapy is one of the best tools we can use to learn more about ourselves. And so I'm excited to have this conversation with Joe today. Welcome, Joe. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And what a lovely introduction. Thank you. And, and how are you today? How would you describe your relationship with yourself today? I love that question. And it's we're so conditioned, aren't we? Just go, yeah, I'm fine. You and are we? Um, and I love that, you know, we'll get into this, but I'm training to be a psychotherapist at the moment. And we've all noticed that we can't, we can't ask, we can't do small talk with each other because a simple question like how are you really gets a very in-depth answer that might take an hour so <laughs> um I love that so yeah I um I think I'm this today I feel I feel calm last week was very hectic and chaotic and this week it feels like I'm going into Monday doing this but with a real gentle calmness um and some self-compassion so yeah feels nice gentle calmness what a wonderful way to start the week hey that's uh, mm. I think that's goals for lots of lots of people but I did a uh, a post this morning about having slow Mondays and I used to do this all the time and talk about the need to have a slightly slower Monday after what is often a fairly hectic weekend especially if you've got small people um and we can be so so tired when we come into Monday when we we shouldn't be we should be feeling rested and I I decided okay I've got to I've got to change this and even though we were in a pandemic and weekends might not look quite how they used to um it it's still really good to be intentional about maybe taking one thing off the to-do list or just slowing down the breathing or having an extra cup of tea break. So I'm quite, um, even if I've got lots to do on a Monday, I still try and slow, slow it down. Yeah, I think that's brilliant advice. I heard from somebody I interviewed, uh, Britta Fernandez-Schmidt, told me that she doesn't have any in, uh, any meetings or anything that requires super brain power on a Monday. That's her mm. kind of, um, well, it's her own brain power time. So she gets creative and kind of quiet and calm and is uh, gives that day just to herself. And I thought I'd do the opposite. And this is, it's such good advice. Mm. <laughs> so mm. give yourself that time to ease into the week and then, then go and conquer mm. the world, right? Totally. So let's talk about the book, the lovely book with a beautiful pink cover with it's got metallic sofa on it. We love it. Um, 
it must be exciting to have it out in the world now after after uh, what I assume has been a long process. Yeah, so exciting. It was a super long process, as you know, just having the idea, I think was, I mean, I've had the idea bubbling away for many years and then the proposal process takes a good old chunk of time. Um, I was really lucky I had a brilliant agent and she worked really closely with me on the proposal. But that's still, you know, so many iterations. I actually found that really, really hard. Any people who are thinking about um, writing a book, the the I sort of write generally, like if I have to write essays for my course or you know, in the past, I would I I get it all out and then I reshuffle. But when mm. you're writing a book of 60,000 words, you can't do that. Um, and obviously publishers want to see a bit of a plan. So I found it really tricky to say what would be in each chapter and writing a good couple of paragraphs about what would be in each each chapter without having written each chapter. So that was, that was a really tricky process for me. And then also... Um, I wasn't allowed to talk about the book publicly from my publisher until we had a book cover. And that meant that all of the writing and editing process was done in secret. And, oh, it was so hard. I mean, people in my life knew, um, but I operate a slice of my life online and through mm. my Instagram account. And oh, it really, really, I found it really, really tough. It felt like I was lying, like lying by omission, maybe, of not sharing this great big huge thing that I was doing each day whilst trying to juggle the pandemic and homeschooling and all of that. And leaving this massive thing out was very, very tricky. So it's so wonderful to be able to now talk about the book and 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 all of it, rather than thinking, oh. Am I allowed to say that? Am I not allowed to say that? Don't say anything. Yeah, if in doubt, don't say anything at all. Yeah. I mean, you talk about sharing there, which is um, you do share uh, through social media and, and now through the book. How mm. does that feel to be? Because obviously the book is about something so personal. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great, it is a how-to guide, but it is very much a per, your personal story. Um, totally. So how does that feel for that to be out there for everybody to read? And um, like, how do you feel in yourself about that? Um, it feels a bit vulnerable, but it, but it feels okay. I've, I've seen the power of vulnerability. Um, when we share our vulnerabilities with others, people don't see that as weakness. They see that as strength, my, in my opinion. Um, that's been my, um, that's been my feedback. When we see vulnerability in other people with, we think, oh, that's brave and that's strong. But when we do it, we think, oh, I'm emitting, you know, this weakness. And it's just not like that. And I have been sharing my mental health online for a number of years now. I have got, I am quite boundaried about it, but I am also very, very honest about it. And that process has kind of been normalized for me I see yeah. how helpful it is for first person um you know lived experience of mental illness and and mental wellness but us talking about it is so 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 important and people even years ago well before the book but would say I would never have reached out and got therapy had I not heard you talking about therapy therapy normalizing therapy or just mm -hmm. about mental wellness or mental illness and it, the the benefit of sharing that little bit of me is 
it it's just it comes back tenfold so in our, in relation to the book I just know that me sharing my experiences will help but I did want the book to also be absolutely jam-packed as packed as I can make it with resources as well as my story I didn't want it just to be a memoir I think there's a time and place for that I think they can be really useful but for me I really 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 wanted people to come away thinking I I that was all the things I wanted to know wish I'd known um, all the things I want, I I wish I know. It's written 100% from the client chair. So I've got professionals in there, but it is my experience, my narrative is my experience of sitting on that couch, what that feels like, what I wish I'd known, the good, the bad, the ugly, all all of it is in there. Um, because we need, to, I feel that we just need to talk about this stuff. But before I move on, the very, the only person that I felt slightly weird about reading it is my mum it's the only she's the only person and I've been doing a lot of thinking about this recently and a lot of therapy on it and it's it's because I grew up in an environment where I sort of wasn't allowed to be me and I had to fit into I think this happens in a lot of families but into a mold that my parents had of me and an idea and I complied and I sort of twisted myself into this shape that wasn't me it's so ingrained that it's become a version of me but it it, it's not comfortable to be in that shape and Mm. what therapy has done for me has allowed me to find who I am and initially just find who I am work out who I actually am underneath all of those conditions of worth that were put on me and and then love who I am or like to start with and then love and accept who I am and I think the awkwardness or the uncomfortableness about my mum reading it is that this is written so in my voice this is this is 100% me and I won't be there when as she reads these words to cushion any of that or to change any of that or protect her from any of that as I do constantly so yeah that's that and and all of these things you know I talk there's a whole chapter pretty much on when my dad died um because I talk about the life events that then led me back into therapy I haven't done therapy constantly for uh, for 18 plus years I think it's more like 19 or 20 now actually um but there were it kept reoccurring in my life I kept finding myself back on the couch and some of these like my dad's death I did not let my mum see my grief hear my grief because it wasn't allowed it it just really wasn't so she will read she hasn't done it yet she's decided it's it's too much and she can't do it to herself yet um but when she does read it if she does read it then she's going to see it all. And that feels really deeply uncomfortable. Probably good in the long run, but uncomfortable. So yeah, that's the answer to that question. 
what you just described actually about your the situation with um when your dad passed away and then going back to therapy mm. brings me to a question that I think you've probably been asked lots of times well since mm. the book's been out um that if therapy is magic then why would you need to carry on doing it for 18 years or why <laughs> and you, you're you're carrying on doing it now I suppose so why why yeah. does it why is it something we need to keep doing if 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 it if it's so great well That is such a good question and something I was really aware of when I was writing the book. And in fact, even in picking the exact words of the title, I was really conscious of. So the title is therapy is dot, dot, dot. So ellipsis magic rather than therapy is magic sort of statement of fact. It was therapy is magic because it's also lots of other things. It's also hard. It's also difficult. It's also continuing. It's also lifelong. Um, or can be and I think it's really important to acknowledge that therapy can you can dip in and out of therapy and it's always there as a tool and it's one of these things that I really wish I'd known right at the beginning of my therapy journey is that even though there are mental health conditions certainly that you can recover from recovery is possible but being fixed in terms of mental health is just it's just not a thing it's an ongoing constant um lifelong thing that we all have physical health so you can recover from a physical health injury you can recover from a mental health um illness but your physical health is still something that you need to maintain your mental health it's no different as parity your mental health is no different you have to continue to maintain your mental health and there are various tools and everybody is different there are various tools to do this therapeutic activities or actually therapy and therapy is one of my mental health tools now and I say I now go to therapy not for any mental illness I'm currently not struggling with anything but for my mental wellness and it is mm-hmm. part of my toolkit. It's one of the many things that I have at my disposal that really help me stay mentally well. And that's not to say it is a foolproof tool. Um, mental health exists on a continuum and it is ever fluctuating that continuum throughout our lives. And for all of us, not unique to me, it is every every human and what we need and the tools that we require and what our toolkit looks like will change depending on where we are and and this is where therapy is wonderful because there are so many different therapists out there so many different types of therapy what works at one point in your life might not work at another because of this continuum so I absolutely love that you asked me this question because therapy is magic it it's not okay but again I've got another whole little avenue of where to explore on this so therapy is not there is no actual and I start the book off like this and I talk about it a million times in the book there's no actual magic that I know of involved like there's no spell to say no incantation to chant there's no magic wand waved where magically like you're a different person um but oh my gosh it feels magical and something truly amazing can happen when you're sitting with another person who is trained to listen trained to understand and can help you give you tools or just 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 by listening to you and just giving you that space and holding you in a in an emotional sense um 
something really, it feels akin to magic can happen. And it wasn't until I found that I'd had therapy, like we said, for a very long time. And I never had that. I never experienced that. And it wasn't until I found this most amazing therapist when I was struggling with my postnatal depression. And it totally transformed. I was like, aha, like almost the ultimate aha moment, the eureka, Mm -hmm. the, you know, what you hear about in therapy. This is how therapy is supposed to feel. This is this is what it's all about. To the point where I became completely evangelical about it. I was like, no, 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 no. Like people need to know this. I have had yeah. so much therapy and I never knew this. Like it. And then my, you know, people saying, sorry, I'm getting so animated now. People who say, oh, I tried it, it didn't work for me. And it's like, oh oh, okay, but maybe it was the wrong time in your life. Maybe it's the wrong type of therapy. Maybe the relationship, because the relationship is so key. Maybe it was the relationship that just didn't work and that's not anybody's fault. It's just we're humans and the relationship mm. is about two humans clicking. So keep keep giving it a go. And I want the book to be a really shining example of like, I had some really bad experiences, but look what happens when you have an amazing experience and it really does work and that tool is there for you. I love how early on you share about your experience with the guy with the stinky shoes <laughs> as a therapist. And you're like, the warning signs were all there. I didn't I didn't pay any heed to them. But I think stuff like that, like the book is so good because it, it, it shares these really like warts and all experience, like you say, your experience of being in that chair and all the toolkits you in, you know, you include warning signs mm. to look out for, all that the therapy hangover, things like that. It's yeah. it's just brilliant. Um and also, yeah, back to the idea of it being part of a toolkit. So obviously um I'm all about the books that's my uh, you know my big passion in life but they are just what part of a toolkit sometimes that's what you need to kind of read something you know aspirational inspirational sometimes what you need is to sit in the therapist chair sometimes it's to go get out in nature so I really I like the I, I like the fact that you're you're kind of yeah including it as part of a of a whole of a whole toolkit mm. um let's talk about some books then mm. so in the introduction I suggested that we are what we read so I wondered do you agree with that I would like to think so, but <laughs> I think about some of the books I've read and I'm like, oh, I don't know what that says about me. Um, but I do agree. I think that there, I wish I read more, basically. I think this is what a lot of people, a lot of people probably say and feel. Um, and I have to be quite intentional about reading for myself because it's it's the thing that can slip sometimes and you think, I don't have time for it and making time for it is so important and actually another sort of therapeutic type activity something that is good for for my mental health I think um but I do believe that there are some books in the world that just leave that indelible mark without sounding too cheesy but like leave this indelible mark on your soul they stay with you and I think that that's just so incredible when that happens. So, yeah, I think they they become a little bit of you. You take a bit of it, and yeah, you are mm. what you read. In their own way, they can be that kind of magic. Yeah, if it's yes. if it's something that just like lights that that flame or that seed that you kind of then follow. Um, yeah, totally agree. What what are you reading right now then? Oh my gosh. Well, I am studying to be a psychotherapist. I wasn't before I started writing the book, but during the writing uh, book writing process, 
I applied. I thought, gosh, this is so. <laughs> this the, I've, I feel passionate about this. I think I, I think yeah. I want to actually sit in the other chair. Um, so I have so much um, that I am supposed to read. I've got a very long reading list, um, but I'm reading. We're currently reading th- things about object relations theory. So um, Winnicott and Klein. Last year was all Carl Rogers, which is a little bit more accessible. Um, mm-hmm. But there's it's it's quite dry theory to be honest so I've found myself feeling a bit guilty when I don't dig into the course books but I think it's really important to have other things going on so I've just finished Find Your True Voice by Emmy Brunner um, which is an amazing book um, all about like trying to quieten the self-critic and Mm. um I found that really, really helpful um, and a lot of great, really practical uh, advice in there. And another one, I, I, I very much lean into the mental <laughs> into the mental health um, world, but uh, Dr. Sophie Mort, um, Dr. Soph on um, Instagram, if anyone follows her, has written an amazing book called A Manual for Being Human. And it's a tome, it is huge. So I have dipped in dipped out gone back and I have I wouldn't say I've read every word yet but it is an incredible book and she actually I was very very lucky that she contributed to my book as well but she wanted she's um a psychologist I want to say clinical psychologist but she she basically wanted to share her knowledge of Mm. all the things that she wishes everybody knew and like the wish we taught it in school why keep it a secret for the therapy room why not just tell everyone so she has which I love um I also got given a book uh last week um which I can't I know this isn't quite answering your question but I can't wait to start reading so I just had a flick through and it looks amazing um it's called Rise of the Girl it's by Joe Wimble Groves and the premise is seven conversations to have with your daughter and I have a six-year-old daughter and it's it's all about trying to like I haven't read it but it seems to be all about conversation starters to try and empower our daughters to be able to navigate the world in a little bit of an easier way because they have so so much particularly in this land of social media um and the pressure so that looks brilliant but I'll have to update you later yeah, about that one this, watch this space do you read um parenting books generally or are you more kind of like it's looking at the, the bigger mental well-being kind of picture more mental well-being picture to be honest and for a long time especially when my little person was little I actually found the parenting books quite unhelpful mm. um there's the ones you're supposed to read I don't want to upset anybody but there are the ones you're supposed to read and I found it all very difficult um because if you aren't doing it or the baby's not doing what they're saying there can be a lot of guilt there is a lot of parental guilt um but now she's like I said she's six so it's it feels like a slightly different um I'm in a different space Mm. and the book that I that it wasn't out but I sort of wish had been out and I had read is the book, I, uh, what's it called? The Book You Wish Your Parents Had Read by Philippa Perry. Um, it's Grayson Perry's wife, who is a psychotherapist. And I read that 
in, I mean, it talks about the baby times, but also later. But that really is a great parenting book. If anyone ever just reads one parenting book, I mm-hmm. I sincerely recommend that one. It's brilliant. And one of the main takeaways for me, there's lots, there's lots. Um, but this idea, and you hear this in other um, wellness and mental health uh, spheres as well, but the idea of rupture and repair, that ruptures happen. So if whether that's an argument or in relationships or you get cross with your child, ruptures are normal. That's human and that's mm. allowed. And the guilt that happens is can be sometimes so monumental that we just want to move on. We just want to rush past it. We just want to put our head in the sands. We just want everything to carry on. But she talks about the need for repair and the need for repair is way more important than any sort of rupture. There is no rupture too big in her, and I'm totally paraphrasing, but it's Mm. all about the repair. And even if, and she gives examples of people who've, you know, mother-daughter relationships, I think it was mother-daughter, but it was years. I mean, the the lady was like 80 or something and the 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 other the the daughter was 50 or something and um that was still so healing however many years on from the rupture so it Mm. doesn't matter obviously rupture uh, the repair soon as soon as possible but if there is a delay that's okay it's all about the repair and oh my gosh that just applies to so many areas of life and not just parenting so even if you're not a parent I think it's a it's a great book to read yeah that's a that's a great lesson I was just thinking the same that the repair it's kind of yeah it's always possible so I think that's a lot great advice for yeah a lot all relationships um what you talked earlier about the the idea that some some books leave that kind of indelible mark on you and might change how you see the world or see yourself do you have a book that is the one oh so this is such a difficult a difficult question to answer and I am very conscious that everything I'm saying is in the sort of mental health world um but the body keeps the score by um, Bessel van der Kolk is a really tricky book to read um it's tricky for a number of reasons it's quite triggering and I use that word with intention it is about mm. trauma um and it's just is it well actually it's quite well written like it's well written it's not tricky in that sense but it's it's tricky because of the subject matter and it talks about how uh, trauma is stored in the body and it changed my life it really did it is such a crucial read for anybody and trauma doesn't need to be trauma capital t trauma all traumatic experiences are relative so it can it it trauma can really be anything um and but it stays it stays in our body and we have to find ways to get it out and tiny little things like if you um i don't think this is in his book but um i uh, i've heard a story about um a mental health professional uh, mother i think she's a psychotherapist was in a car crash with her children and they were fine but she got out of the car and immediately made her children shake. Like, you know how you see an animal shake, shake. Mm. And it's like shaking out the trauma. And it was the best thing that she could have possibly done because it physically gets stored in your body. I won't be able to do this book justice at all. You just have to go away and read it. Um, 
and it's it's just it's just one of those books that you don't ever forget and it really changes your window on how you view the world how you view your past how you view other people and to the point where I now as part of my therapy training I'm in a placement where I'm working with mothers who have had trauma not birth trauma but trauma in their lives um mainly growing up um they might still be experiencing some sort of trauma there's often domestic abuse and quite complex um uh complex issues going on for the women currently but it's about trauma that has historical past trauma that that now is affecting their motherhood journey which can happen and it's about how and there's a a whole protocol a whole program that I'm helping deliver here in Bath to release the body from that trauma and get Mm -hmm. some of it out and it is absolutely mind-blowing how it works but it does work and it's just wonderful so yeah I wish more people knew I knew about that book I second that as a game-changing book um yeah it it kind of blew my mind as well I'm obviously in my head a lot in books a lot I'm kind of I'm very conscious of things I want to change but sometimes I kind of they they still don't change (laughs) and learning about how things are physically trapped and I thought my my biggest takeaway from that book was that um, even even if it is trauma with a capital T, there are still things you can do to mm. to address that, which I think is 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 really it's great to know, isn't it? And some of the things that he talks about in the book, and probably you do in the protocol, um, are they're really simple things, but mm. they're just done consistently and with kindness. And you're kind of doing things with your body um, that will make your brain just change. And I think yeah. and and I found that yeah phenomenal. I talk about this book a lot in our book club. Oh, good. Oh, I'm glad I picked. I'm glad I picked that book. Then, yeah, it it really is one of those ones that just transformed my way of thinking about things. So, what about you're now an author, but you're lots mm. of other things as well. And and as you were talking about the writing process before, it's a it's a tricky one, right? So, I wondered if um, has being an author or writer always been an ambition of yours? Uh, have you um, been kind of inspired by other authors, or is this just something uh, you is the book something that you wanted to get out there so you could share the message? I think it's the latter, to be honest. Mm. Um, I it really was important to me to share this and also <laughs> in a it, I don't know if it's a, in a hack way but um it I get asked about therapy about how to find a therapist where to find a therapist what to look sure. out for all the time and I thought and and often it doesn't and especially on dm on instagram and it it doesn't it feels too big I can't answer it sufficiently mm-hmm. because there's so much that goes into like I have a whole chapter on the first session because it's so there's so much to say um and all the different types of therapy it, it felt too big I I I needed somewhere to put this um I have to say I still feel deeply uncomfortable when people still ask the question say go buy the book because I still want to give them an I still want to give them an answer, but I suppose I've got to get a bit more comfortable in saying, "Here's the short answer for for the real answer." You know, have have a look yeah. at my, have a look at my book. Um, but yeah, yeah, it it was definitely the latter. But I have to say, there were people along the way that really helped. Um, 
it wasn't particular book that did it but I have a friend who's an author and she's written a number of books she's called Fiona Thomas and she her first book was Depression in a Digital Age and that's how we met online through Instagram but now we are firm firm friends in real life um but she and that, and because of the, the mental health aspect of her book that's how we sort of connected and then she's written uh, another book called Out of Office, which is all about freelance world, the freelance world. Um, and there's a chapter or a big chunk of it on mental health in there, but it's not. It's more of a business book. Um, and then she's she's in the process of writing more. Um, mm-hmm. I won't reveal. I won't reveal what that is. Um, I'll let her do that. But she was a huge inspiration for me because she just did it she just does it and um she's she's a a real and she's a professional writer so she'll write for um uh magazines and newspapers and pitching all the time shout out blog yes yes she's brilliant um I was so glad to see her I think our faces are next to each other aren't they on the uh on on the website (laughs) it's my mate um yeah, she she's and she sort of became my unofficial book mentor all throughout, being like, "Oh, what what do I do now?" And like, "What happens now?" And is it normal to feel this despondent at this point and all of the rest? Of it? So she was she was absolutely brilliant. But yeah, her just sort of positive attitude and her telling me I could do it and seeing that she had done it um, was a huge, huge, huge inspiration for me. So um, yeah, I think she she as an author played a massive role in me actually going for it and doing it brilliant she's um I love her style because she she again she's another person who's very honest isn't she yeah. and that's what makes her and she's a brilliant writer so I think yeah she's um it's a brilliant combination yeah do you um do you have any books a book that you haven't gotten around to reading like the big one so we talked about you talked about <laughs> a new book that's on your come onto your radar but is there like for me it's um the power of now <laughs> because every time I pick it up I'm just like I know I should just get into this and this is I need to read it but it's just it just it the other things kind of become more important oh, I wondered if you gosh. have any like that so many <laughs> <laughs> too many um, oh there are so many I think this is one of these things where you if you're into books, you're always looking out for books, buying books, got like a wish list of books. Um, mm. Like my stack is enormous. I always say I'm not going to buy any more till I've at least started what I've got. <laughs> and then that doesn't happen. Um, it, oh, it's and I need to just embrace that and be like, it's fine to have a great big stack and maybe I'll never get to it. Um, but as I was thinking about this question, it was a it it. it Oh God, there are so many. So on a mental health side, I mean, there's so many I have to read for the course, but I'm going to ignore that. But in the sense of it's quite similar to The Body Keeps the Score, there's the It Didn't Start With You, and everybody talks Mm. about it, and it's about epigenetics and how things are just like hardwired into us, and like the trauma of our... um, this is what I've taken from it, but I haven't read it, (laughs) um, or taken from people talking about it, Um, you know trauma that our grandparents or great-grandparents may have experienced genetically gets passed down to us and I think that's so fascinating and it is obviously a massive game changer and when I heard about epigenetics in um, especially in the perinatal world because people talk about um, what happens in the womb um, but also before that uh, the in the in in our baked into our DNA um, I just find it fascinating so I that is one that I really, really want to get round to. I have it. I haven't, I haven't started it yet. But when I was thinking about this question, I was like, gosh, there are the classics. Let me think about the classics. 
And you know what? I've not read and I I need to because every time it pops up as in because it's so well known, it, it get, I'll, tell, I'll say it in a minute, but it does pop up all the time. I think, God, I've never read it. I don't think I even know the plot. And it's Little Women. I've never, ever read it. I don't know what happens. I think it's about some sisters. And I feel so <laughs> awful I, saying it. But I, I think, I I think it's know. also on Netflix at the moment. So oh, is um, it? maybe you don't need to read it. I mean, obviously a book club <laughs> a book club founder shouldn't say that. But yeah, no, I'm the same. I haven't read it. And I, I saw that I saw it pop up the other day on Netflix. And I thought, well... <laughs> Still taking out in the information somehow. Yeah, I feel a bit funny about the whole... um, I feel like I have to read books and not watch it. And I also feel funny when books that I've read... So The Handmaid's Tale, I... I was going to swear then, I won't. I loved it. So I ploughed through loads of that wood when I was about 19 and 1819 and oh my gosh just set my world on fire at that point in time and then it became a tv thing and I was like oh and I haven't watched it and I out of principle it might be great but I'm like nope and it's the same with I am I was the same with Harry Potter I was like these movies I don't think I've even watched all the movies um because the world that I had created in my head was Mm. just it I watched the first one I was like no no no, like it was so much more rich. It was so much more magical. It was just, I'd already, and with, I heard somebody talking about this the other day, but I'd already watched the movie. The movie was in my head. Like uh, the writing was yeah. so rich and amazing that it was already there. And so when I'm watching it, it's like, it, it's not connecting for me. And the other one, um, which I, again, I refused to watch uh, and everybody went, off on one about it was Neil Gaiman um American Gods I that book I mean I love everything that Neil Gaiman touches I think it's just the way his even these kids books like the way that his mind works is amazing but an American Gods was just so evocative so rich so incredible but I was like I'm not even going to watch it because it won't be what it it won't it won't be what it I think it is what I what I yeah. wanted it, how how technicolor it was in my head so I get a bit funny about that too. So. Like, <laughs> I, I, I did it better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a conscious thought of that, but it's just like, no, no. You know what though? <laughs> this is the right, this is the crowd that will totally get that, that you mm. need to, that movies just don't do justice to what you're, what a good, uh, a good book and your imagination can do. So let's, um, so just to close then, I would love you to finish this sentence. The right book can. Oh, I think I have to say what I was saying. Um, I want to say can change your life, but I think I'll say, given this conversation that we've had, the right book can leave an indelible mark on your life. Yes, I love that. And that does, and which will probably change your life ultimately. Totally. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks, Joe. It's so great to talk to you. And um, thank you for sharing some of your favourite reads and to be reads <laughs> as well. It's good to know that everyone has the same problem. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I have such a smile on my face now. It's been a complete joy. So thank you for, thank you for having me. I think authors are just massive book geeks in themselves, aren't they? So it's wonderful, wonderful to be able to talk about not just therapy, which is my, yeah, my, my, my passion, but also books, which is just, the combination is, is wonderful. So thank you for having me. 
I think that's the new, uh, that's a new dream Monday, isn't it? A slow, slow, slow Monday, including chat about um, books and therapy. Therapy is magic uh, out now. Brilliant tool to help us move away from, from, I suppose, the stigma that sometimes is associated with seeking help. So Joe's words are um, they're funny, but they're also really, like we said, honest, and they will um, inspire you to, if you are thinking about seeking that help, then hopefully they will inspire you to do it um, in a way that works for you. So um, thank you, Joe. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, have a wonderful day. <laughs>